So, um, I asked Paul Weisberger, again, mazel tov to you, Paul, right? I, I asked Paul, uh, as he was leaving the Bima, was it Shabbat Zachor or was it Vayikra, right? I, uh, because uh, this week's Torah portion is Vayikra, or the beginning of Leviticus. And normally, this Shabbat would would just be called Vayikra. That's what it would be called, right? But periodically throughout the year, uh, the, the the Shabbat has a name and with a, with a with a particular emphasis, regardless of whatever week it, it is, right? And so this week is called Shabbat Zachor, Shabbat Zachor, which means uh, the uh, Shabbat of remembrance the Shabbat of Remembrance, right? And uh, remembering is, of course, uh, something that uh, can be challenging uh, uh, to us, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not about, uh, uh, it's not just about age, right? It, it's really uh, more about uh, focus, <laughs> you know, uh, and things uh, that, that we are, uh, that we're thinking about, focusing, uh, and uh, not just about specific events that happened a long time ago, right? Uh, my kids are always, uh, as we would say, giving me the business because uh, when they, when they, when we talk about, oh, remember when? When was that? I always say it was like ten years ago, right? Everything there's like a ten-year limit. <laughs> Everything was even if it was twenty years ago or thirty years ago or you know or beyond. Oh, was that about ten years ago? I don't know. But um, it's not just about specifics that happened a long time ago. But remembering also has to do with remembering uh, our own personal histories, remembering the big picture history of our, of our family or, uh, or in, in our own lives as well, significant moments, or even as a people. And those remembrance help shape us. They help us to remember, therefore, than, than who we are, right? They help us to, to remember, uh, you know, give us a sense of belonging, uh, uh, for example. If you remember, <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, I, uh, I gave a message on Micah, right? And somewhere in the middle of Micah, it's actually in, in the sixth chapter, uh, Micah uh, brings to mind significant events in the history of the Jewish people. And he brings uh, specific events uh, to mind that all Jewish people, all Israelites, uh, Jewish people of every generation would remember, like the Passover, like entering the land, like getting through the wilderness. You know, though none of us uh, were alive uh, during that time or any time near that time, and certainly the life of Israel has changed significantly over, you know, three, four, five thousand years. Uh, but we still understand this as our communal history, our communal story, right? And therefore it shapes us regardless of what generation we may be, uh, uh, regardless of uh, where we live in the world. Uh, or even regardless of our Jewish uh, uh, practice. Now, one of the things about the holidays, of course, is that 
The holidays help us to remember. They're almost designed, you could say, uh, for us to remember our communal past, uh, which helps us to define ourselves and how we uh, conduct ourselves in the present and the way we look to the future, right? So I, uh, so then, then, of course, the opposite in the Bible of uh, remembering uh, is forgetting, right? And, uh, you know, in, in Hebrew, it doesn't just mean like, oh, I can't remember, right? Uh, it means to neglect or uh, it's something that you just simply uh, don't do or uh, disregard is really a very good word. Uh, you read about remembering I, uh, a lot in the book of Deuteronomy, which kind of makes sense because here Moses is giving his last messages, his last speeches before Israel enters uh, the land. Uh, and I always think of Deuteronomy as like when uh, when I was a little kid and my grandmother would, would for whatever reason, be watching me. Uh, you know, I can still hear her voice saying, remember to put on your gloves and your hat. Remember to eat your lunch. You know, remember to, to be a good boy on the bus and, you know, all those kinds of, uh, all those kinds of things because she would not be accompanying me, uh, to school. So she would say, remember, don't forget, right? Uh, and, uh, and so Moses was not going to be entering the land with the people. So Moses is saying, remember, remember these things because when you get into the land, you know, this is when it's all going to come into play, right? So we read, for example, in uh, chapter 4 uh, of uh, Deuteronomy, and Moses talks about remembering Sinai, remembering what happened at Sinai, right? Even if, even if you weren't there, and even if your children uh, obviously were not there, or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren were there, remember Sinai, right? Uh, you know, to motivate you, kind of like, you know, in, in uh, Texas, right? Remember the Alamo, right? It's not about remember the history behind the, you know, what took place. It's, you know, remember the event so it motivates you and defines you in, you know, in a certain way. Remember, remember, uh, Sinai. I uh, remember the, the words of the covenant. Very interestingly, you know, if you do a study in Deuteronomy chapters four to 11, there's going to be significant places where we're called to remember things, right? Remember the words of the covenant. Chapter 6, remember the nature of the covenant. Remember the relational aspect of the, of, of the covenant, you know, in the, in the Shema. And then in the ninth chapter of Deuteronomy, remember what happened when you disobeyed, right? Uh, and so these remembrances were not just to uh, pass a, a, a test on, on a history exam, right? Uh, but so that you will lit, you will remember who you are, you will remember your calling, you will remember how to respond in life. Not too different uh, from uh, what we were saying last time about Haggai, consider your ways, right? I guess in a way that's an aspect of remembering, you know, and not, uh, you know, and not, uh, and not forgetting. But what's interesting about Shabbat Zachor is that it's the only place I can think of where the remembrance, is, the remembrance is not exactly, not primarily, or I should say just not only, <laughs> something that God has done, 
but it's something that somebody else did. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting because I looked up all the verses, and I have them all down here, uh, and I'm tempted to read like a dozen of them, but I'm not going. Uh, of all the places in the Tanakh where we're called to remember things, and basically it's remember the great work God has done, remember the miracles, remember the marvelous things. I, I, and, and then every other one is remember how you came out of Egypt. Remember, you know, uh, remember, remember, remember who God is, remember who you are, and, and all of that. But in Deuteronomy chapter 25, which is a, a special short Torah reading that takes place on this Shabbat, is Deuteronomy chapter 25, beginning in verse 17. Okay, and uh, it is, now, you may be asking if you're not someone familiar with, um, you know, the, the Jewish uh, way of things, I, uh, who, who invented Shabbat Zachor? I mean, where does that come from? Did Moses say, uh, you know, uh, on the Shabbat before Purim, it's called Shabbat Zachor? No, okay? Uh, in the course of time, I, I would say uh, in the, oh, I don't know, 1100s, 1200s, that period of time, and the Middle Ages, I guess we, you know, uh, uh, call them. I, the, when, when the, uh, when the Siddur was developed and when, uh, you know, uh, many of the prayers, uh, were concretized in a Siddur and so on, uh, when the order of reading the Torah came to be and the, the yearly uh, celebration of holidays, how we actually celebrate them, not just where they are in the Bible, but how we actually observe them. Uh, several different Shabbats were designated to have a particular uh, emphasis. Okay? Uh, and so during that time, uh, the rabbinic uh, leaders of the day decided that on the Shabbat before Purim, we should read... Deuteronomy chapter 25, 17, uh, uh, 18, uh, and 19. Okay? And so the reason it's called Shabbat Zachor is that the first word in verse 17 of uh, chapter 25 of Deuteronomy is Zachor. Remember when Amalek did to you, remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt, how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. Okay. I, now, something very interesting about this command, because it's in the Torah, we're never going to, the, the memory of Amalek will never be blotted out because we read it every year, Right. Uh, and of course, uh, even in the days when the rabbis decided that that we should read this, there were no Amalekites. Uh, you know, there, there were no Amalekites anymore, right? Uh, and, uh, and and so 
uh, there are several reasons why, why we should do this, right? One reason is, as we'll see, it relates to Purim, okay? It relates directly uh, uh, to, to uh, Purim. Now, for a little refresher on exactly what happened here, what is it that, you know, that, that's being reminisced here in Deuteronomy, you have to go back to uh, Exodus chapter 17, right? In Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8, this is on the journey, you know, out of Egypt, after the parting of the Red Sea, but on, on the way to Sinai. This is right after coming out of Egypt, right? Then Amalek, in verse 8 of chapter 17, then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the uh, top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held out his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed the Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out from the memory that I will bl utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Okay? I, and Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay, so already you can tell there's, there's something going on in the text because if they're supposed to blot out the name from under heaven, there would not be war with Amalek from generation to generation. Right? Uh, and so we are we blotting out their memory? Or are we not blotting out their memory? What, you know, what, uh, what, is, uh, what is happening? Well, we'll save that, that question for just a moment. And now we want to turn to our Haftorah portion in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15 for just a quick moment. Okay? So in, uh, in 1 Samuel 15, this is where Saul is the, uh, Saul is the king. Right? And Samuel tells him uh, uh, in chapter 15, in verse 7, I believe it is. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt, and he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the ox and the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good and were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Then Samuel comes, he hears the animals. Samuel is very upset because Saul did not complete the task and Saul calls him on it. And then, uh, I mean, Samuel calls him on it. And then uh, Saul says uh, in verse 20, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went up the mission uh, and went on the mission to which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agog, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 
But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord at Gilgal. Right? And so, of course, then uh, Samuel tells him, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. You needed to do exactly what you were told. And it costs him the kingdom. It costs him a dynasty. Uh, and so, uh, evidently, it was quite important uh, you know, for this to take place. So why, do, why are we reading this now? Why do we need to remember Amalek? You know, that's actually a good. Why not remember and blot out uh, the Egyptians? Why not the Moabites? Why not the Edomites? Uh, why these Amalekites? Why not the Philistines? But it's the, it is Amalek. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons, uh, as uh, we see uh, in the book of Esther, is that in the book of Esther, uh, you have, in a sense, a, a redo of what's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, right? Because we read very specifically uh, in the book of Esther, uh, in, the, uh, in the third chapter, in verse 1, okay? Uh, it says, after these events, King uh, Ahasuerus, in Hebrew, uh, promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Agagite. So in one, two, three, four, in five places in the book of Esther, we're told that Haman is an Agagite. Why do we care about that? Because an Agagite is an Amalekite. And, and if you remember, we won't turn to it, but if you remember Mordecai's genealogy, he is descended from Saul. And so... In 1 Samuel 15, in a sense, Agag lives, Saul is dethroned. In Esther, Amalek dies, and we could say, uh, not Saul, but Mordecai, or the Israelite, is lifted up. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, the reason that our ancestors uh, decided that we should read these passages is because of uh, this issue of Haman being descended from uh, um, Amalek, right? Okay. So what do we what do we uh, get from this? Just simply uh, remembering that uh, uh, Haman was descended from uh, Amalek and and he's defeated, and that's a you know that's a good thing. I there, there's more to it, and it comes back to this idea of remembering. And remembering who you are, and remembering, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, for for Israel and for all of us as Messiah followers, remembering uh, the the calling of God, and we see it played out in the Book of Esther. We see it played out. Mordechai is aware of the spiritual nature of the situation. Okay, uh, he is aware. That I, uh, you, you know, Haman is is against our people, uh, and uh, and and Esther needs to do something, right? But what he says, and we're familiar with it, you know, uh, in the fourth uh, in the fourth chapter, Mordechai goes uh, and, and sends a message to to Esther, uh, and uh, 
uh, you know, about this. Uh, and, uh, and Esther's response was this. All the king's servants and the people, uh, this is verse 11 of chapter 4. All the king's servants and the people of the king's uh, provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law, right? That he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for, uh, for these 30 days. And they related Esther's words to Mordechai. Then Mordechai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. And then Esther replies to Mordechai, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Shushan, Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So what's interesting here is, first, Esther's reply would be the reply of any woman in that situation. Okay, you don't understand, you know, I, uh, he's, uh, he's going to kill me because anybody who, who approaches him without him asking, uh, there's a real chance you're going to die. Okay? Mordechai's response to her is, remember who you are. You're not like everybody else because deliverance will come. See, what, what is amazing here is he, Mordechai has a theology, he's free, he, or a spirituality, we'll just call it that. He frames this whole situation, not just as, oh no, what's going to happen? There's this historical development taking place. What are we going to do? Uh, you know, and Esther, you're in the right place. Uh, what are we going to do? He frames the whole thing uh, in this, I'm going to suggest, in this Saul Amalek you know, paradigm model, and that deliverance will come because Mordechai remembers. He remembers the calling. He remembers that being an Israelite, being a Jew is not like being like everybody else, right? And that's what he inculcates to Esther. And Esther gets it because it is amazing. The first time that we hear Esther's voice is at the end of chapter 4. She's like a stick figure before that. You know what I mean? But here, now, at the end of chapter 4, she's like, as I've said, you know, previously other years, she's like the quarterback of the team. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Amazingly, she just, wow, Esther, you, you know? Uh, because now she gets it. She remembers. She knows uh, who she is. Right? Uh, and... Uh, and of course, I'm going to suggest that another reason that our ancestors wanted us to uh, remember this was to remember that there are always going to be uh, 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 enemies. There's always going to be Amalek, Amalekites, whether the, whether, uh, one, whether the uh, Amalekites themselves are blotted out. And by the way, you know who ends up 
mostly taking care of the situation later is David. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. But that's a, that's a study for Samuel. But um, but uh, but anyway, they're always going to be enemies from generation uh, to uh, to generation. And so at Purim, we need to indeed remember that. And of course, the Groggers help us because, by the way, what we're doing is we're blotting out the name of Amalek uh, when uh, we are. Uh, you know, making uh, making a lot of making a lot of noise, right? Okay, uh, and so this issue of uh, of enemies is a, a kind of important to us, right? And so we need to remember uh, we need to remember uh, uh, who we are. So, in a book called uh, "A Letter in the Scroll," okay, it's by Jonathan Sachs. You may have. Heard of Jonathan Sachs, right? So uh, he wrote a letter to his children when they were born. Uh, and the letter was, um, was about why be Jewish? And his, the, the reason for the letter uh, was that, that uh, he was concerned for his own family that his children uh, would assimilate. And what is good about being Jewish? Why be Jewish? After all, you weren't born back when this covenant was made. You didn't have a say in it. Uh, you, you know, you're just sort of born in it, and you, you didn't have any, uh, you couldn't vote. Uh, you know, do I want to be uh, part of this thing? So that became a book called uh, Radical Then, Radical Now, published by a British publisher probably in the 1970s, maybe. Uh, and then he republished it in the United States uh, with the title, A Letter in the Scroll. And the reason it's called A Letter in the Scroll is because it's a Talmudic saying. And uh, what it means is, is that every Jewish person is significant. Uh, and a, like a letter in a word, like a letter in the scroll, right? Every, every uh, when you're reading your English Bible, every single letter is important because they form words uh, which give us a reason for being and, uh, you know, and, and a history, right? Uh, that every person is significant. So he has a chapter in this book called Ambivalence and Assimilation. And he's talking about uh, the difference between uh, the, the Jewish reaction to persecution in ancient times uh, and, uh, and up till maybe the 20th century, uh, and then from the 20th century on. It's very, very interesting. So I just want to read uh, one little thing, okay? And it is this. From earliest times, Jewish history was often fraught with tears. Pharaoh, Amalek, Haman, Nebuchadnezzar form a part of the long litany of persecution summarized in a famous passage in the Passover Haggadah. It was not one man alone who rose against us to destroy us. In every generation, there are those who rise up against us to destroy us. That's in the Passover Haggadah, right? We remember that every year, okay? Yet there is a crucial difference between the ancient and modern experience and its impact on Jewish identity. In the past, suffering was interpreted in a theological framework. It belonged to the terms of the covenant, like remembering that you're part of the covenant. And so therefore, suffer. I know why we're suffering. I know why evil empires are coming against us, you know? Okay, A prophet such as Amos could say in the name of God, you alone have I singled out uh, of all the families of the earth. 
That is why I will call you to account for all your iniquities. The very fact of national distress was accompanied by a promise and a hope. Okay? I, he goes on to say uh, here, uh, writing in the 11th century, Judah Halevi, it's a famous Jewish writer from that period of time, could argue that Jews among the nations were like the heart among the limbs of a body, more susceptible to illness because more sensitive than any other organ. At the very least, Jewish suffering had a coherent inner logic. It confirmed the destiny of this singular people, unlike others, outside the norm of history, often wayward and severely punished, uh, yet part of a drama whose final act is homecoming. I, Judaism is the systematic rejection of tragedy in the name of hope. Okay, You know, I, uh, Sachs is one of those, he's kind of like Heschel in a way, like every sentence you have to like dwell on, you know? Uh, and uh, so his point there, I won't go into the problem of today. Well, actually, I will, but okay, uh, because it has to do with us. Uh, uh, and so what he's saying is when you remember who you are, there's hope. It's not just tragedy, but indeed there is, there is a, a, a hope. And so the whole story of Esther is a microcosm of Jewish history to the very end. Or one could even say world history to the very end, right? Uh, you have a, a Jewish people in the diaspora living uh, outside of the land. Uh, you have a, a, a nation who is uh, kind and, and allowing them to live there, but then something happens and now there is a persecution and there is you know, the possibility of uh, extinction and, uh, you know, in terrible, uh, we could say, as we would say in the late 19th century, pogroms, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. But what happens? Uh, the uh, Jewish, uh, uh, particular Jewish people rise up uh, and, uh, and history is turned. Uh, there's a reversal of fortunes. Uh, and uh, the Jewish people are successful, and uh, we eat hamantashe, right? Uh, there's a saying that goes with that, but but uh, but that's kind of it. It's sort of like you you know uh, that the world is a the world is a mess. God raised up uh, Yeshua, uh, uh, the Messiah, uh, and uh, at the end of the day, there's victory and vindication, and and uh, and the, and there you go. Uh, and so uh, we're called to uh, remember Amalek. We remember Amalek uh, because when, when we remember a difficult past, it is not just an end unto itself uh, because our hope and our trust is indeed uh, with God, right? So, I, I, you know, so the key is, of course, remembering and not neglecting, not forgetting, not... Uh, um, uh, you, you know, uh, putting uh, the truth on the back burner, but always remembering uh, who we are. And, uh, and of course, uh, as we said, there's always going to be enemies, and, and it's not only uh, Israel as a people, but the commonwealth uh, of Israel. Uh, all people, uh, whether they're Jewish or spiritually, coming under the headship of, uh, of the king of Israel, Right? Uh, Messiah followers, no matter uh, who we are, we can make 
the same, um, we, we, the same application. Sometimes Amalek can be uh, an external enemy, right? There can be Amalek, enemies that, that, that come against us, right? And it is very interesting that if you look through history, through post-biblical history, there have been empires that have risen and fallen, right? Where Jews have been welcomed and then persecuted and terrible things taking place. The empires come and go, but the Jewish people continue with a self-identity, not assimilated. That is a miracle, you know? Uh, without a land for 2,000 years and without a vernac- without a language. Now, Hebrew is a language, but up until the late 1800s, it was the language of the Sidur. And Jews spoke Russian, Jews spoke Yiddish, Jews spoke uh, French, Jews spoke other languages. But it wasn't uh, until someone, uh, we know who he is, because if you've been to Israel, you walk on a street named after him, right? Ben Yehuda, right? That's who Ben Yehuda was. Uh, uh, he was the one who, he, he created a dictionary, and uh, he was an early settler, uh, and it's, it, there's a lot of stories about him. He would not let his family speak anything but Hebrew and the Hebrew that he was writing, that he, the Hebrew that he was, you know, that, that he was creating. Consequently, I don't think the kids had many friends. But, um, but it's really quite an interesting story. He's the father of modern Hebrew, which, which the resurrection of the Hebrew language is an amazing, an amazing thing. But it all comes out of this issue of remembering and out of persecution ends up coming not only character, but as we read in the book of Romans, hope and hope does not disappoint. And that is indeed uh, why we remember Amalek. We, are, we have hope. We are not disappointed. We rejoice at, uh, at Purim. And even when we see enemies uh, uh, today, we know that the day is going to come when there will be vindication. The administration of the world uh, in the days of uh, Amalek and the Philistines is not exactly the same way God administrates the world today. And that's important. That's another story for another day. But there will indeed be the day when there will be vindication. Uh, and, uh, you know, it comes under the heading of God's foreign policy. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that, that curse you. That, that's how this ultimately uh, will play out uh, in history, and we see it. We see it here. But there are not only external enemies, but there are also internal enemies, right? Uh, an attitude of Amalek, <laughs> right? Uh, things uh, in our own world, in our own lives, you know, that uh, cause us trouble while we're on the road in the wilderness, right? And there's lots of those things. Lots of things uh, that uh, if we liken ourselves, which the Bible does, by the way, liken ourselves to our ancestors traveling in the wilderness, right? Remember it said, remember what Paul said, these things happened for our benefit to learn from, right? Uh, uh, that we can learn then from this issue of uh, Amalek. There's, a, there's some different things that we can learn uh, for, uh, for our own uh, lives. There are, there are situations, uh, perhaps uh, we could say attitudes, temptations, actions, people that cause us to get off track. And that's what, that was the da- one of the dangers of the Amalekites, attacking from behind 
attacking in a vulnerable place to get us off track. Not attacking our, our, uh, our, our, our strongest attributes, but attacking our weakest attributes, right? And that's exactly what happened uh, in the passage uh, that, that we read. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, it could be doubts, could be anxiety, could be, you know, whatever it might be, obstacles that get in the way. So important for us to remember. And not only remember uh, what we read, what, what we were talking about like in Deuteronomy, but what did Yeshua say? Yeshua said, remember me, right? Yeshua is the message. Remember who you are. Remember your identity in the Messiah. Remember your identity in the God of Israel. That's why they were called to remember Sinai. Remember Sinai. Remember the covenant. Uh, remember what God has done. Remember uh, your relationship with God. In Deuteronomy, uh, you can apply that to knowing Messiah Yeshua, right? Uh, and uh, when we remember that, we can then frame the things that go on in our lives in a spiritual kind of way. And it's not just, oh no, this happened, what am I going to do? And, and then what we end up doing is compartmentalizing right, our, our relationship with God, and then we're just dealing with situations like anybody else. But we have to remember that, again, we are not like everybody else. What do we read in the book of uh, Hebrews? In Hebrews uh, chapter 12, right? We read there that um, uh, here, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, right? These, uh, these things that get in the way of our growth, of our walk with God, right? Actually, it's every weight, every weight. It's like running, you know, that's the picture here. He uses an athletic picture of running like with weights on, you know. Get rid of the weights and the sin which so angle, so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua. Remember, <laughs> Yeshua says, remember me, the author and perfecter of, of uh, faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember who you are uh, in him. Don't be a straggler, right? Don't be a straggler. In other words, you know, when you go back and you look at that passage in Exodus chapter 17, uh, who were the people that actually were... Uh, attacked. It was the vulnerable people. It was the people straggling, like sort of like um, behind, not keeping up, right? So I, I think that uh, certainly if we look at ourselves that way, stay focused, right? Stay on the road. Uh, it reminds me of a passage also in the book of Hebrews. And, and it makes sense, by the way, in the book of Hebrews, because the book of Hebrews is about Messianic Jews We'll just say believers who uh, uh, were facing great hostility and were like on the fence, <laughs> right? Uh, facing uh, Amalek, you might say. So he says, so it says, for this reason, because of how great Yeshua is, and so on, that you read about in chapter one, at the beginning of chapter two, it says, for this reason, we must pay 
much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect or forget or do not remember so great a deliverance, so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord and confirmed to us by those who heard. Stop there. So may we not drift away. May we stay focused. You know, may we be people who are take the initiative in our walk with God, in the Word, praying, in fellowship. That is where strength comes from. That is how we defeat, indeed, uh, you know, those enemies. Yeshua said uh, that there will always be enemies, but your reward in heaven is great. In other words, there's going to be persecution, but again, remember who you are. There's hope because the persecution is indeed on account of on, on account of me. And so may we uh, remember uh, as we read, as we celebrate Purim, and as we think about the story of Esther, uh, may we remember Amalek. May we remember the victory of God. May we remember the hope that we have. And whatever uh, situation uh, we may be facing, remember who you are. When we remember who we are, then we can frame things in such a way as to make decisions in our life that are edifying, that are right, uh, that are good, and that bring victory. So don't forget. All right, let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, God, that uh, you have indeed given us this word. And Lord, I pray that, uh, you know, that uh, as we think about uh, Amalek, and we think about Amalekites, that we might, uh, Lord, remember uh, on the other hand, that uh, you were so angry at the Amalekites because they attacked the most vulnerable people and they did not fear you. And so, God, I pray that there would be no Amalekites among us, that we would be sure to fear you and we would be sure uh, not to do harm to the stragglers, uh, Lord. And so, God, may, uh, may on every level, God, may we take the initiative in our relationship with you, God. Uh, may we not bring just a sacrifice. May we not just do the religious things, but may we be obedient to you in our walk with you, God. And uh, may we find uh, comfort uh, and uh, may we find motivation uh, in the story of Esther, the defeat of Amalek by the hands of Mordechai and Esther. Pray in the size name.